Well, thank you guys for that warm welcome. I'm going to grab this right here. Well, from those announcements, I'm a representative of one of the other 25 locations that meets throughout the Chicagoland area, just about <clears throat> two miles down uh, west from here, uh, New Life West Lakeview. And uh, I'm super excited to be with you guys at New Life Lincoln Park. Uh, about 12 years ago, my wife and I <clears throat> started attending New Life Community Church. We were at New Life Lakeview, and uh, at that time, our, our small groups overlapped with Lincoln Park. We actually had like a collaborative system. And so we had some people from Lincoln Park, some people from Lakeview meeting together. And as we were part of that small group, we learned that uh, Lincoln Park had an early service. And in the fall, when the Bears are playing at noon, I'll tell you what, we attended those early services and, uh, and they were great. We, we loved it. And so, so glad uh, being back here with you. Uh, Bobby is one of my uh, very, very uh, good friends on our team. Uh, we have a lot of fun together, uh, even though we do not see eye to eye on Star Wars The Last Jedi. We have many debates about this, and, uh, and, and he usually comes out on the losing side. Um, but we're, I'm excited to be here, and I'm pretty sure that I think Bobby and uh, Jeanette are coming uh, just around to 10 years uh, here at, Lake, at Lincoln Park. I, I could be wrong, but I know it's somewhere in that ballpark. And I just want to say uh, that is like such a blessing to you guys as a congregation. Just this past week, I was hearing of another pastor on the north side who had been around for about eight years or so, who uh, was moving on from that ministry. And there's something about the continual um, presence of, of a pastor over the longevity in a neighborhood that experiences a lot of transiency and turnover that is such a blessing to you guys. So whether you are here, that part of this congregation, just for six months to a year, or whether you've been here for five years or 10 years or even longer. Bobby and Jeanette and uh, the Moss family are such a gift to you all, and so I just want to speak that blessing over each and every one of you that uh, um, Bobby's longevity is a gift, and, and I hope you're able to celebrate that uh, with him as he continues to love ministering here in Lincoln Park. Um, today, we're going to be coming to this conclusion of really this fall vision kickoff series, but before we do, I want to read our text today, so I'm going to invite you just to stand with me as I read the scripture, uh, God's word today. Our, our text today, it comes from Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Let me speak these words over you. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You can take a seat and let me pray over us as we get into this word today. Lord, uh, we thank you for this gathering. We thank you that uh, after a complicated uh, 18 months, we are still able to gather together uh, here in Lincoln Park and to worship you, to call for you to pour your spirit out upon us and to worship you from uh, the complications of our own lives. Lord, as we uh, look at your word today, as we hear it read over us, as we reflect on what it means to our lives, we pray, Holy Spirit, speak to us in this moment. Uh, renew our spirits, uh, cause a correction that is needed, and, and leave us with encouragement to continue this path of walking in your ways. Amen. 
Well, today we are continuing this uh, fall kickoff series, and I think after 18 months of a lot of ups and downs, uh, as a church uh, across all 25 locations, we are taking this moment to have a rally call, a call not to give in to the pressures and the anxieties, the, the, the pain that is around us, but instead as a church to remember who we are called to be, this, this renewed sense of vision to be a family of love that cooperates with God in making fully devoted, fruitful followers of Christ and making disciples. And that word rally, it means to, to come together with this renewed sense of effort. Uh, that as we have been exploring this image of what it means to be in a rally, this series is about coming back again and remembering in this renewed sense, this is who we are supposed to be and so we are going to go out and live it once again. Or more uh, shortly said, as Jake and Elwood Blues famously say in the Blues Brothers, we're getting the band back together. That's the mindset of this series. We're coming back together again. And this, this may mean for some of you this rally call to once again come and meet with us in person as we worship here in this place. That special set-aside moment, Sunday after Sunday, of coming together to worship God. Or for others who have been doing that throughout this entire time, this is a call to remember who we are called to be, this season of how we are to live as a church. And I'm sure, like me, many of you have been experiencing this adjustment to returning, to remembering how things have been. Maybe it's going out to restaurants inside again, or Uh, Just this past week for me, I went to my first indoor concert, and I remembered that feeling that as you gather and hear one of your favorite bands, you're also surrounded by a bunch of sweaty strangers in a small room. You've got to remember how to do these things again. It's a return. And so as we're returning to this, we're returning to this mindset as a church to rally back to who we are supposed to live. And in this series, we're working through our purpose statement as a church. Uh, Maybe you know it. If not, let me remind you, this is for all the New Life community churches. Our purpose is to be a family of love that cooperates with God in making fully devoted, fruitful followers of Christ. Each week in the series, we're we're breaking down a part of this purpose statement, and as we conclude today, we are looking at this last part of our statement, making fully devoted, fruitful followers of Christ. So that's going to be our focus today. Uh, I'll never forget uh, one of my first evangelism outings. I was in middle school, and it was early on a Saturday morning. We had met early at our local church. We had heated up a bunch of water and put it in some yearns. We put in the proper ratio of the Swiss Miss hot chocolate mix. We mixed it all together, and we took these big urns of hot chocolate. We drove in a van down to downtown Chicago at the Magnificent Mile. So here I was. I was in middle school, and I was standing on Michigan Avenue in the swarms of the busy holiday season shop that happens uh, downtown and and we were there handing out hot chocolate and asking if people want to know about Jesus and in this moment as I was standing there uh, shaky and a little uncertain of what was happening as I was seeking and asking people if they wanted hot chocolate uh, I took a step back and I thought in my mind man Christians can be weird 
We do weird things. And, and when we talk about evangelism, I think, like me, for many of you, you can get this image in your mind of the weirdness, the awkwardness that some evangelism pro- approaches have had. Maybe it's that image of, of being downtown and hearing the, the people on the bullhorn telling uh, everybody that they are doomed to go to hell. Maybe it's this image of, of the tracks that people would hand out asking, do you know where you're going to go when you die? Maybe it's that image of going going door to door and asking people if they know about Jesus. We have these images in our mind, and often if we've experienced them in a negative sense, we're reluctant to begin to engage with evangelism because we think, man, Christians can be weird. But evangelism, as we talk about this today, our mission to go, to make disciples, to, to live in this way, to call people to find their identity in Christ. Evangelism doesn't have to be radical, but evangelism is this purpose to go off into the world and to live what Jesus has called us to live, to be sent out. And to be sent out, it doesn't have to happen in radical terms, but the call to be sent out is a call to live with a specific purpose into your everyday life, to be sent out into your life and to live the ways of Jesus and to share them with others. Uh, This summer, I I heard about this famous story of of famed uh, charismatic preacher John Wimber. He said when he became a Christian, he was so excited to go into the church because he wanted to do the stuff that he had read about in the Gospels. Uh, He says this, he says, I fell in love with Jesus and I liked the stuff he did. Uh, When I became a Christian, I thought, that's what I'm going to do. I went to church and we sang about the stuff. We talked about the stuff, but we never did the stuff. And as he gives this image, I think of this today, because if we are going to live out this purpose to go out and to make fully devoted, fruitful followers of Christ, to be this family of love who cooperates with God in doing this, we have to do it by doing the stuff, by doing the stuff that Jesus invites us to do. We can't just sing about it. We can't just talk about it, but we need to be sent out to do it. And, you know, the purpose of our gathering, the purpose of our gatherings on Sunday mornings or our gatherings in the homes is, again, to be sent out. The purpose of coming together is to be sent out with this renewed sense of purpose. Uh, Last week, uh, Bobby covered uh, what it means to cooperate with God and the difficulties in our lives that come from cooperating with God. But this week, as we gather together, we see that we are to make disciples by being sent out in this mindset of cooperating with God and trusting that his authority will flow through us. Our text today, it comes at the very end of Matthew's gospel. It's famously called the Great Commission because that's what Jesus is doing with his disciples. He's commissioning them out. And the passage begins, though, with this opening remark from Jesus. Listen again to verse 18. It says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Uh, This is the key to unlocking uh, what it means to be sent out. 
It first comes from this realization that as we are sent out, we are sent out in Jesus' authority. This is a powerful image that Jesus is giving. He's in a sense saying, I'm imparting my authority to the disciples, to you all, as you follow me to be sent out in that same authority. Our sense of mission, it comes from Jesus' authority sending us out into the world. Uh, This passage, it gives us the sense of purpose again. Evangelism is embedded into flowing out of our purpose of living in Christ. And so Jesus' authority leads us to these implications that he has for us. And the first thing we see from this passage is Jesus calls us to be sent out, is he begins with the, the sending call. That's, that's where the passage begins today with this call to go. Listen to verse 19. Uh, Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. A simple way of shortening this is focusing on the two verbs, go and make. And as we look at our purpose as a church, we begin to see these three steps that begin to build on one another. We're called to be a family of love, to gather together in community, but we're also called to cooperate with God in his leading, and that leads us to be sent out to go and make disciples. Um, See, we can be sent out, but in order to be sent out, we see before we are sent out, we first have to be brought in. We're sent out after we have been brought in, and that's the connection point that we need to see, that if we are going to rally in the season, we need to first come back together. And coming together again is this sacred moment, not only where we worship together, but we remember the vision of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so when we are brought back into the family, then we are sent out with purpose into the day-to-day of our everyday life. And it's when we return to this family of love that we are being brought in together to be encouraged, to be equipped, uh, to be reminded that our role is to carry the gospel of Christ through our lives. Uh, Jesus says, go and make. Uh, The call out is to see the world around you in this gospel-saturated vision. Uh, To rally, it doesn't only mean to just to come back and worship. Uh, It doesn't mean just seeking God for guidance, but it means doing the stuff, being sent out and seeing the world around you in this mindset of where am I supposed to carry the gospel? Where is God leading me to? To be sent out with this vision of what's next? God, where are you taking me to next? Uh, This summer, uh, my family and I were afforded this uh, amazing gift of of having two months off and and being able to go on on a long trip. And on this long trip, I I was able to be reunited with uh, one of my long-term college friends who we lovingly call Trapper John. Trapper John is a linguist uh, in Papua New Guinea. And so as I was catching up with him, I was asking him, just give me the practicality of what your ministry, of what your life looks like. And, And he began to tell me a bunch of amazing stories, but he he had the simplicity of line that went through everything. He said he enters a village, a village that has, has never really heard the gospel of Jesus. And as he enters into this village, he begins to get to know them. He get, begins to get acquainted with the ways of the village. And as he begins to translate their language into the gospel, as he begins to do his work as a linguist, he says, once that work is done, though, he begins to look forward to the next village, 
in the next village. And he begins to ask God, where are you taking me? Go and make, go and make, to continue to go. The call to go out is to live with this place, with this mindset around you. God, where do you want me to go next? And the call to be sent out can be the call to go to the far reaches of the earth. Or the call to be sent out could be living your life, that mindset, locally where you are right now. Uh, Many years ago, uh, I was going through a season in my life where I was asking um, God, where are you taking me next? Where are you taking me? And and with much uncertainty, I was wrestling with, with God, where do you want me to go? And I remember in this moment, as I was praying this, I was praying this prayer every single day as a church. We were in a season of fasting and saying, God, please give me this answer. I'm, I'm looking for your guidance. And as I was at uh, New Life Lakeview in that time, I was in, in the lobby and um, uh, one of our oldest uh, um, members there, uh, his name is Chuck, he, he pulled me in to help with offering. And as he pulled me in, I was standing there, he handed me a bag and he had no idea what I was praying through in this moment, but he turned to me and he brought me and he said, Chad, you're right where you need to be. And I was so blown away in this moment that I asked him to repeat that. What did you say to me? And it was this vision that he was instilling in me that where God is sending you can be right where you are. Uh, Each of you has a sending call on your life. The call to go and make. And that call could lead you somewhere, but I think for so many of you it means to minister to the place where you are right now, to go to the places that you inhabit, to go to your local coffee place, uh, to go to that sporting event, to go to your school, to go to that play date with that other family, to go and see in this mindset of, God, where are you leading me to speak, to live out your gospel here in your day-to-day life? And this call is not just a call for ministry leaders, not just a call for pastors to do. It is a call for each of us. And as we remember this call, we see that we are commissioned into this authority of Jesus. The the way we can do this call is not on our own authority, but it's through the authority of Jesus. Listen to how uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer puts it. He says this. He says, what is the urge which drives us to proclaim the saving truths of the gospel? It is not just our love for our fellow countrymen or for the heathen and foreign lands. It's the Lord's commission as he delivered it in his missionary charge. It is only that commission which can show us the place where the promise lies. See, where is the place in which that promise lies in your life? Uh, When we live with this regained sense of purpose, that we are sent out into our life with this intentional call to live out the ways of Jesus. And this leads us, leads us past the anxieties of our tomorrow and into this present of today, seeing where God is taking you right here and now. And after the last 18 months where so many of our rhythms and our ways of life and the ways that we follow after Christ have been interrupted, we can begin to lose this mindset. We can begin to forget our purpose what we are called to do. But Jesus calls us to go and make with this renewed sense of purpose, to look where God is leading you to go. So Jesus begins with this sending call, but then he begins to build this out and say, this is why you are to go. So if we begin with the sending call, it continues with this transforming identity. Because the message that we are to carry with us is the announcement that, that God's kingdom is come through Christ and it leads us into this transformed identity in his family. 
Listen to how he continues in verses 19 through 20. He says, go and make, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you to do. This call to be sent out is broken down by saying go and make, and the purpose of why we are to go is followed up with these two verbs, baptize and teach. That is why we are to be sent out, to baptize and teach. Uh, Just like in the beginning, we see that we can be sent out after we've been brought in. Uh, Next, we see that we are sent out after we first have been transformed by Christ. When we've experienced this transformation in our own life, then and only then can we go and be sent out. The call to baptize and teach uh, is to live this out. But in order to live this out, you first have needed to experience it yourself. To be transformed by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection in such a way that it leads you to living out that resurrection in your everyday life. Ephesians 2.13 puts it this way. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In another sense, you who were once not in the family of Christ have been brought into the family because of what Christ has done on the cross. You who were once far off have been brought in. Uh, Making disciples is about inviting people into the family of God to be marked by him in such a way that you begin to find your identity in this family. To baptize and teach is this language about being marked into the family of God. Uh, I have uh, three kids. Um, my wife, Brooke, and I, have, we have three kids. And, and one of the, the joys of having kids is that you begin, you get to be able to teach them what your family is all about. You teach them what you value. You teach them the rules. And, and we often tell our kids, you know, we as the Bacon family, we value this or we do this. And those lists of values and rules can range all the way from we as the Bacon family think Lumanati's is better than any other kind of deep dish pizza. Or we as the Bacon family cheer for the White Sox despite your mom's Minnesota roots. We as the Bacon family, we honor neighbors. And as we begin to repeat these things, you see they begin to be seeped in to our kids. They learn these things. Here's one example of a Bacon family rule that has taken hold in my son. Take a watch of the short video. I got a question for you. What do you think of the Packers? We as the Bacon family do not like the Packers. It is a, is a staple of a rule. If their name is even mentioned in our house, that is the look you get. But these rules, they begin to be seeped into our family and lived out. And so when we get this image of baptism and teaching, I want you to get this image that what Jesus is saying is to invite people to find this transforming identity of knowing what it means to be a part of his family, to be marked by that identity, and to begin to operate from that identity. The call to baptize and teach is to share in this transforming of identity of what it means to be a part of God's family. And what we begin to see is this in, invitation into God's family, is this invitation to realize that his ways are so alternative to the ways of the world around us. A theologian, Walter Brueggemann, says this way. He says, Evangelism is helping people come to this awareness 
that this dominant world of greed, anxiety, and self-sufficiency, depression, and despair will never give you what you want. So come over to this other world of trust, abundance, truth-telling, and memory. Come over to this world of safety and joy. Come over to this family that is founded on finding who you are and who Jesus is. And that's the call to baptism is about sharing in this life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's about finding your identity in him. When you're immersed in the water, you go under and you share in Christ's death. And as you come out, you're saying, I share in his resurrection. Uh, Baptism is identity-based, saying you are part of God's family. Romans 6, 5 puts it this way. He says, for if you have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Baptism is this invitation to share in this identity marker. And as a church, uh, we want to continue to always invite you to respond to the waters of baptism. And the waters of baptism are this, this outward sign of saying, hey, I'm marked by being a part of God's family. I share in his death and I share in his resurrection. So if you have not at first experienced that transformed identity in your own life, we invite you to talk to the leaders of this congregation and say, hey, I want to know more about this. I want to be marked into God's family. Uh, baptizing. And second, he says, go and teach. Uh, Teaching is about growing in your knowledge and the way that you live out the ways of Jesus. Disciple uh, is this Greek word, mathetetes. Oh, that was a terrible pronunciation. Sorry. But it means one who is a learner. Uh, It's this mindset to constantly be learning of the ways of Jesus. And we're called to go and to teach because we're to equip people to live out their transformed identity that comes from Christ. So the call to baptize and the call to teach is to be sent out with this renewed sense of purpose to invite people into this family. I love how uh, Tim Keller talks about this mission and he uses some technical language, but listen to what Tim Keller says. He says this, the great missionary task is to express the gospel message to a new culture in a way that avoids making the message unnecessarily foreign to that culture, yet without removing or obscuring the scandal and the offense of this biblical truth. A contextualized gospel is marked by clarity and attractiveness, and yet it still challenges sinners' self-sufficiency and calls them to repentance. It adapts and connects to the culture, yet at the same time, it challenges and confronts it. And that's the divide that we are to embody as we are sent out. We are to call people to this attractive image, this this invitation into the good news of Jesus to find their identity in them. But at the same time, we're called to confront and challenge the problems that we see, the, the lack of meaning that comes with these alternative purposes of life. The simple call is to invite people to discover the love of Jesus and be transformed by joining his family. So we're invited into this mindset to be sent out with the sending call. We're invited to carry this message of the transforming identity. And lastly, uh, this mission to be sent out is sealed with this promise of the empowering presence of Christ. And that's where we end today, where Christ promises us his presence with us. Listen to verse 20. It says this, Behold, 
I am with you always to the end of the age. The call to be sent out comes first from being brought in. The call to be sent out is to share in this transformed identity. And we see lastly that we are sent out with the presence of God. I am with you. This is the empowering word that leads us out. Uh, Jesus begins this passage by talking about his authority and how he is really imparting that authority in us. But he ends with this sealed promise, this, this word of hope, and this word of comfort, I am with you. And it's these two promises of Jesus' authority and his presence that leads us to be able to live out this call on our life. Uh, N.T. Wright summarizes it this way. He says, the three instructions that Christ has given us are held in place by the promises at the beginning and the end of this passage. The reason we are to do these things is because he already possesses all authority. And the promise which sustains us in this task is that he is always with us, always and forever. To live being sent out, it can be an intimidating, intimidating call. Honestly, at times it can feel impossible. But the promise to Christ to us is that he is with us. And that's the word of comfort to empower you to be able to rally, to come back again to this mindset that you are sent out because Christ is with us. Uh, I know that uh, Bobby uh, likes to run marathons. I know he's preparing for the upcoming marathon this year. Uh, I've only run one marathon, and that will be the only marathon I'll ever run in my entire life. And, and I remember uh, during the Chicago Marathon when I ran it, the, the joy and the renewed sense of purpose that came with the presence of my family and friends along the course of the racetrack. I remember being at mile 22, it's uh, when you enter a Chinatown, and I remember coming into that mile marker and, and feeling done. If I'm honest with you, I was done four miles prior to that, so I was dragging my feet as I was coming into mile marker 22, and I, it was this dread of like four miles up ahead, I can't do it. And I remember as I was entering Chinatown, looking up ahead and just seeing the familiar faces of my wife, Brooke, and some of my kids, and my brother there, and their voices cheering me on. And I kid you not, I, I remember feeling that renewed sense, that reinvigoration of, of my muscles regaining strength again because of a presence that was there with me, reminding me, I'm with you, you can do this. This is the image we get from this passage that the, the promise of Jesus empowering presence with us is that he equips us to be sent out and he doesn't leave us to do it alone. He invites us to talk about this transformed identity to make disciples and he's there with us the entire time. The promise of Jesus' presence is what guides us along the way. Jesus talks about this uh, in another gospel, in John's gospel. He talks about how he is leaving, but how he is sending a helper. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And listen to what he says in John 16, verse 13. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. The promise of the presence is that Jesus instills in us his Holy Spirit to guide us along the way. And after uh, the past 18 months, it is easy for us to have fallen into this interruption of our rhythms and our ways of life, to neglect them, to give up on them, to lose that sense of purpose. 
And I think some of you over this past 18 months have experienced disappointment, disappointment in relationships, disappointment in people, disappointment in the outcomes of your life. Some of you have experienced discouragement. And some of you have really just experienced being distraught. And the word of hope that you are to receive from Jesus that leads you out is he says, I am with you. And today I want to leave you uh, with this word of hope that comes from this word of comfort from Jesus. I am with you. And today, if you are a person who are sitting here today and you're hurting today, you have, you have unhealed wounds, you have this pain in your life, I need to remind you that Christ says, I am with you. If you are a person who is sitting here today and feel alone, you feel the weight of that loneliness, Christ says that I am with you. If you are sitting here today and you feel fear, you feel afraid, Christ says to you, I am with you. We are brought in to be the family of love and it leads us to, into a life of cooperating with God and we are sent out to go and make disciples. And the call to be sent out does not mean that you will find yourself on Michigan Avenue holding some hot chocolate, inviting people to know about Jesus, but it truly means that you are sent out into the day-to-day of your everyday life to live and reveal who Jesus is, and what his kingdom is all about. Where is the place that God is sending you? Who in your life needs to experience this transformed identity? And are you living in this empowering presence? Go and make, baptize, and teach. I am with you. Stand with me. As we stand, uh, I just want to invite you to prepare yourself to respond respond as we respond in this song of worship together as a congregation, as a community of Christ. And as we prepare ourselves to respond, I just want to invite you to just to close your eyes with me. And as I I invite us to respond in worship, I I just want to pray over you as a congregation. And as I pray over you, I want to invite you into this prayer posture uh, that I I often invite people to, to respond in. I just want you to put your hands out in front of you, with your palms faced up towards the sky. It's in this prayer posture that uh, we are saying two things. One, we're saying, Lord, uh, we are holding nothing back from you. Our, our hands are open and we want, we want to be open to you. And second, we say, Lord, with our hands open in front of us, we are open to receive. We want to receive from you today. And I'm not sure where you're at in your life today, Maybe you don't feel discouragement at all. Maybe you feel excitement. Maybe uh, good things are happening in your life and uh, you are living and flourishing in your relationship with Christ. Or, or maybe you are in a moment where it's hard to communicate to others, but you are feeling that gnawing, that, that emptiness, that disappointment, that anger, that sadness underneath the exterior of life. Whatever it is, I just want to remind you as I pray over to you today, that in the sending call from Jesus, he ends with this word of hope and comfort. He says, I am with you. Lord, I pray over this people today. I pray I pray for those that are, are searching for that presence of saying, God, where are you? Where do you want me to go? I pray that you would speak this word into their life today, that you are with them, that they would know that you are present with them. Lord, I pray for those today that 
are looking for a clear answer from you of where you're taking them or how you are leading their life. I pray that you would speak this into the life. I am with you. I will show you where to go. And Lord, I pray over those today who have heard this message and have thought about a friend, a coworker, a relative who needs to hear this message of this transformed identity that comes from you. I pray that you would send them out with purpose. And as you do, you say, I am with you. I will show you how to do this. Lord, lead us into this week. Guide us as we respond in the song of worship. And let us hear your word today. Amen. Join us as we sing.